the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, let's jump in. Uh, Psalm 1, today we're talking about, if you're just logging on. Five things. Five things you must consistently do, or do consistently, to grow. And here's the thing you got to talk about first. Must do. God wants growth from his children. Yeah, he, he expects it. He expects growth. So that's why I wanted us to start in Psalm 1 and, and Proverbs 4, because there's a lot of people that think it's all right to be complacent and to kind of stay where you're no, at. You need fruit, fruit that remains. You've got to have fruit and consistent fruit bearing. And, and, and the Bible talks about that in the gospel of John chapter 15. Truth. The Bible said, if you're connected to Christ, who is the vine, you'll produce fruit. We're the branches will produce fruit, which will bring great glory to the father. The Bible right. says, so there should be a consistent, uh, fruit bearing system in your life where you're nonstop producing harvest for the kingdom. And, uh, we see that in, in, uh, Psalm one, which I'm going to start reading with verse one. And I want you to see <clears throat> the promise of when you begin to serve the Lord and do what you're called to do and what God's spoken to you to do, this is what takes place for every believer. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree Planted. planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. Is this the new living? Yeah. No. Uh, yes. It's a new living. Read that uh, third verse in new living. It says they are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. See that? Each season. Each season. I love that. The new living says bearing fruit each season. Which means that when you do what God's calling right, you to do, right. there's never a season you don't bear fruit. No, there's each season has a fruit in that's it. That's right. So, and, th and that's powerful because God's the one who created the four seasons and gave us a harvest season in the four. Correct. But he said, if you'll obey my word, if you'll follow what I'm telling you to do, I'll supersede my own system. And I will actually give you fruit in every season, no matter what season it is in your life. No you more know? dry seasons. That's right. And people think you have to go through dry seasons. I'm in a dry season yeah. right now. They, that's not by God's design. No. God does not design dry seasons. Those are for choices. Children. That's exactly right. And, and you know, just to take it a step further, if you believe like that, that's the way you'll live. Exactly. And we touched on that yesterday, that as a man thinks in his heart, so you he. will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. That's it. So if you have an expectation that, well, I'll do good sometimes and other times I'll be struggling. Yeah. Other times I'll be dry. Up seasons, down seasons. That's how you'll live because that's your expectation. Say this. Say no more dry seasons. Type that in the comments. Put it in the comments. Put yep. it in the comments section. No, no more. more. My life changed the minute I got that revelation. Yeah. It. I stopped having dry seasons in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I always thought, you know, if if I'm not in a problem, I'm on my way to a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm not struggling and the struggle's coming. Right. The minute I changed my mindset, the minute I changed how I thought about this, everything changed. It has to. What you expect, you're, what you're literally setting your faith for, change is what takes place. 
what you're setting your faith for takes place. And it's funny because some people have faith for negative things. They have a faith that negative things are going to happen. You've got to keep your faith on what God's word says. Never a dry season. Uh, Planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in every season. Every season. Your leaves will never wither. You will prosper in all that you do. If you're just jumped on, type in the comment section, no more dry seasons. No, no more. more. You have to change your mindset. No more dry seasons. Every season, say this, I'm going to bear fruit. That's right. Bearing fruit in every season. I'm going to bear fruit in every season. Proverbs 4 is much the same as Psalm 1, and it talks about God's intent for his children. The 18th verse of Proverbs 4, listen to this. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter brighter until full day. That's the path of the righteous. The path of the righteous is not bright one day, dark the next day. Bright one day, dark the next day. It's brighter and brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And so that's God's plan according to scripture here, the path of the righteous. So the path of the righteous, by the way, is not determined by the righteous. The Bible says the the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That's right. That's right. So when you look at the path of the righteous, it's not that, well, I chose to walk in a never ending increase uh, because I ordered my own steps. No, the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered of the Lord when he delights in his way. So when you walk in the steps God has ordered for you, it's never ending increase until every Jesus season comes. It, it becomes a greater season than the season before no question about it and so we we now understand that there is a there is an actual uh cause and effect it's not automatic for every believer or every believer would be a never-ending increase that's right there are there are steps we have to take there are things we must do if we're going to see never-ending increase in our lives doesn't just randomly happen to people because they got saved. There's all kinds of Christians that are struggling day to day to day to day. Not God's plan, but also it's, it's happening. So that means if it's not God's plan, but it's happening, then there must be something we have to do in order to activate God's plan in our lives. Exactly. God, I don't believe like a lot of people believe, you know, in this generation that, you know, every single thing is predestined by God and that every single thing that happens happens because God chose it before Choices. the foundations of the world. I believe obviously God knows everything that's going to take place. He knows everything that's going to happen. But there are things he desires for you, but it doesn't mean they're going to Cho- happen Choices for you. bring consequences. God desires that nobody go to hell. He's willing that none, none should, should perish. perish. That's right. Will people go to hell? Absolutely they will. But it's not because God desires it. It's because they reject his covenant. And in the same way, when we reject his covenant in our lives, it causes our steps to not be ordered by God, but to be ordered by ourselves. When we order our own steps, we're responsible for our own increase. But when we walk in God's ordered steps, he's responsible responsible for the increase. That's why I don't ever want to do anything that's of my own design or of my own plan. Because the Bible says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the labors, labor they in labor in vain that build it. I don't want to work in vain. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to spin my wheels going through my life. How horrible would it be to realize?
realize you were in ministry for 30 years and we're not doing what God called you to do. Oh, At the end of 30 years, you're sitting there like, I don't understand. I haven't seen growth. Or, or even worse, stand before the Lord. He yeah. says, we've done this. We've done that. We've done all these things. And you need he says, depart from me. I never knew you. That's, yeah. that's even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's a reality. And it will happen for people. There's people that are going to stand before the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Absolutely. Because they weren't doing his will. Exactly right. They were doing their will. So you do have a choice to obey the word of God or to not <laughs> obey it. God's not going to force you to obey his word. You can obey it or not obey it. But when you do obey, that's what Psalm 1's about. That's what Proverbs 4 is about. That's what Psalm 127 is about. That if you obey it, there are blessings that are attached to obedience. Praise God. My dad mentioned the verse of scripture last night, Isaiah 119. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. The best of the land. Yeah. Th that's not reserved for everybody. It's reserved for those that are willing and obedient. So that's the key is that we, one of the things we you and I talked about yesterday in the broadcast was that one of the responsibilities, and I would consider it one of the greatest responsibilities for a believer, is to discover God's plan for their life and walk in it. Discover it. What's God called me to do personally? We've covered that at length. If you're going to be an overcomer, go back and watch the broadcast. From yesterday. From yesterday. Very important that you do that. You have to have a vision. You have to change the way that you speak. There's a lot yeah. of things that you must do if you're going to be an overcomer. But if you don't know, see, that's the, that's the dangerous thing. If you don't know what God's called you to do, if you don't know the purpose of your life, you'll always wander and you don't know if you're in the perfect will of God or not because you don't know what he's called you to do. That's why we can have Christian college students, spirit-filled Christian college students that change their major four and five times. Why are they changing their major? They don't know what they're called to do. They say, well, let me try this for a while. Well, let me try this for a while. Yeah. Then you rack up fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 of student loan debt. Then you're working until you're 45 to try to get out of that, out from under that debt. Yeah. And then you're not, you know, you're not even working for yourself till no. you're 50. And their life is nothing but up it's and down. It's pressure, you know. Why? I don't know what I'm called to do. So the thing is, if you are going to walk in the blessings of God, you have to be consistent. you've got to know what he's called you to do and consistently stay on that thing on the path. until you see the There's a path. increase. There's yeah. a path. That's right. Path of life. And that's if exactly you don't it. know the path of life, you get with one that's created the path of life. Absolutely. It says, I am the path of life. You know what I mean? I love in that. In my presence is fullness of joy. I love that you said path because, you know, obviously people quote that verse wrong. It's Psalm 1611, by the way, if you guys are taking notes. Um, that Bible says he shows us the path. Shows us. The path. Yeah. Not the paths of life. Yeah. Path. Right. People quote it. He, he yeah. shows us the paths of life. No, he shows us the path. Yeah. It's one. He's already showed us the path. Jesus is the path. But, right? but you know I why people get, that, <laughs> people get that wrong and then, they're, then they get into this mindset. Well, there's, there's many paths I could take. There's no, there's no. only one path. Look at this. This is Psalm 1611 in uh, the ESV. You make known to me the path of life. The path. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. You make known to me the path. There's one path for your life. Yeah, I don't get into this thing that people teach where it's like, well, you know, God has different wills for your life. You know, he's got the perfect will. Yeah. Then he's got the permissive will. Yeah. Then he's, you know, no, that, that's not God. God's not schizophrenic about yeah. your life. The psalmist would write today, he's made known to me the path of life. Right. Because <laughs> we have Christ. The... Uh, <laughs> my father brought this out, has, has brought it out for years, is that that verse actually says uh, that we may know what is the good 
acceptable, perfect will of the Lord. True. All three of those adjectives are defining one will. His will is good. His perfect. will is acceptable. Perfect. His will is perfect. Perfect. All the, it's not three different wills. All those adjectives sub- describe one will of God for your life. That's right. And that's what we need to know is that number one, by the way, if you're taking notes, the number one thing that you must do before any of this is that you've got to discover the plan and purpose of God for your life. If that takes fasting and prayer, you've got to take time in fasting and prayer. One, one thing I will say that is this people in this generation are far too flippant about their lives. Very flippant. They just, anything goes kind of a lifestyle. You know, if I make a mistake, we'll we'll fix it later. We'll fix that later. Because understand this, mistakes are very costly (laughs) and can be extremely uh, unchangeably costly. You you know what I mean by that? It's like some, some mistakes you can recover from easily. Some mistakes are very hard to recover from. And then there's other mistakes you'll, mistakes you'll never recover from. And people don't, they don't realize that. They think, well, especially with this hyper grace message being taught. It's like, well, just do whatever you feel. God's, you know, Jesus' blood is already covering yeah. you. And God just looks at you through the filter of Jesus' blood. No. So your choices don't matter. It's very costly to make mistakes. You know, you can, there's been people that have lost yeah, Matthew decades. Matthew 7 will de- determine. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. People have lost decades of their life and ministry because of costly mistakes. You should not have to lose time because you were flipping about your destiny, your future, your life. You've got to do everything you do carefully and with purpose. Making sure, is this, you know, if people aren't prayerful about their life, if people aren't discerning about their life, that's what we talked about yesterday. They cast off restraint. They just do whatever. They just do anything they want to do. But when we discover God's plan, then there's actually a path to walk. The dry seasons in life aren't created by God. They're created by us. Right? Yep. So his design, his design is that we bear fruit in every season. Every season. And if that's the plan, then we should be bearing fruit in every season. And if we're not bearing fruit in every season, mm-hmm. it's not God's fault. It's probably our fault. It is our fault. Because it can't be th- the devil's fault. Through our thinking, through our speaking, through our lifestyle, whatever it is that's cutting us off from that blessing in yep. each season. Each season has a blessing. Yeah. And each season, God has things that he's laid out on that path of life. That's right. I like it. The Bible says Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. This day. So there's daily bread for you available. Every single day you've got daily bread that that you have access to. Fresh bread from heaven. And there's people that haven't experienced fresh bread in 10 years. And they're still, they're still running off of bread that they got 10 years ago. And they're starting to get, you know what I mean? You start to see people burn Imagine out. that. Imagine eating bread that's 10 years old. Yeah. Or not having eaten for 10 years. <laughs> then you're like, what do you look like in the spirit? You're emaciated. You look like a two-dimensional video game character from 1989. Look like Mario knocking coins <laughs> well, out of boxes in two-dimensional space. I mean, space. if you haven't had any bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about spiritually. <laughs> no. People, people, you, know, you know what? Uh, so remember, the, remember the book Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth? You know what he said in there? He said, most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. And they wonder why they're not receiving. I'll give you that quote again. He said, most Christians eat, feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit one cold snack a week. That's, that's like the first step to being consistent 
in in this blessing is that you you have to feed yourself have to spiritually fresh bread. fresh bread every day and that's the key is that if you're not you know it's it's funny if you're not going to spend time in the presence of God you know it blows my mind that people only want to actually be in his presence on Sunday and then they don't want him to bother them for the rest of the week I already did my time in church don't talk to me until next Sunday yeah, so it's he's like, like you know, that I thought, you know, people say, well, I'm sold out to Jesus. They're punching in and punching out. Yeah. You know, putting eight hours in. Imagine if you treated your husband or wife like that. Like, now listen, on Sunday mornings from 10 to 12, you can talk to me. But listen, after that, until next Sunday, I don't want to hear from you. Don't talk to me. Don't mess with me. You know, you'd have a very, very strained relationship if you have one There's at all. There's probably a lot of relationships that are even in the church but that it, are just like but that. But that's how people are treating God and the Holy Spirit. They don't want to hear from him. You know, there's a lot, how many Christians, their Bible is warped because they leave it in the back windshield of the car until next Sunday. The sun just bakes it all week. It's never being read. It's being baked in the back window. They open of the car. up the Psalms and they're like, the pages are, are like so hardened from, the, from sun baking. It looks like sun chips. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear from him until next Sunday. Well, there's a problem. You know what I mean? When you want that people are trying to stay out of his presence. When David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Because David understood something. David understood. In fact, let's go there. Psalm 84. I want you to turn to Psalm 84. This is verses 10 and 11. I, I like what Jonathan said one time. He goes, open up the, to the book of Micah. He doesn't get out much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's trapped. He's trapped. He's in trapped. <laughs> Uh, Psalm 84, I'm going to read you two verses. Now, the interesting thing to me is that when people quote these two verses, they usually get quoted separately. People will either quote Psalm 84:10 and stop there, or they'll quote Psalm 84:11 and stop there. But these are, these are a thought that run together. These two things run together. First, David tells what he would do, right. and then he tells why he would do it. If you're, if you're watching, if you're here, please get that. First, David tells what he would do, then why he would do it. Listen to what he says. He said, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now, here's why. He tells us why in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So he's saying the reason that I'd rather spend all my time in the courts of God versus the tents of wickedness is because my God is a shield. My God gives favor. My God gives honor. And he won't withhold any good thing from people who walk uprightly. So he said, that's why it's better to spend even one day in his courts because you can get more in one day in God's presence than a thousand days in a university. True. One day in his presence versus a thousand days with a financial planner. Dave Ramsey can't do for you in a thousand days what the Holy Spirit can do in one day. Yeah, like that woman with the, uh, yeah, exactly. the letters and stuff. Exactly. One day in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> and so here's the thing, is that there's people that want to see increase in their life and their ministry, but they don't want to spend presence time in the presence of God. It's, you, it's a must. If you're not prayerful about your choices, what you're doing, what your call is, you'll always be in a place of stagnation where there's no growth. True. You've got to hear the voice of God. You have got to hear the voice of God. So what I would say, and I want to talk about this for a minute, because this is, especially in this day and age, we are living in, 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 in what's being called an outrage culture. 
I don't know if you've, if you've heard that term before. An outrage culture. People are outraged about everything. Everybody's a social justice warrior. I don't know if you've seen this. Like everybody, it's, it's identity politics. You know, everybody's fighting for some minority or some equal, you know, equal uh, uh, equality of outcome, which is impossible, yeah. by the way. But I, <laughs> but but here's the problem. It's true. <clears throat> you get into this mindset. Everybody is offended about anything. That's why they have rooms now in universities where college students can literally go with a coloring book and color in a quiet space to get the stress out. I mean, like, it's insane. I saw somebody put a meme up on, on Instagram the other day, and uh, it was like, it was, it was college-age kids. happy place? Yeah. It was college-age kids in 1944 and college-age kids in uh, 2019. College-age kids in 2019 are pulling their hair out, coloring in a dark room. College-age kids in 1944 were leaving to go fight in World War II in, in Europe. You know, it's a big difference. It's like, I'm ready to go die and fight for my nation. Here, kids are ready to color in a coloring book because the stress is too much. Oh, you know what I mean? Lord. It's like, it's insane. But, but we live in an outrage culture. The problem with that is that when you live in a culture where everybody's blaming other people for problems, yeah. nobody becomes introspective. No, everybody's afraid to do anything because they're afraid that they're going to be criticized about everything. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, you, you can clearly see it happening on social media. Even people that used to be bold are getting less bold because they don't want others to lash out at them. Anything. <laughs> Even the church. You, you, oh, especially the church. You can't say anything anymore without somebody getting ticked off. I told somebody the other day, like literally this happened. I told somebody the other day, man, you look nice today. You know what the response was? What are you trying to say? I don't look nice every day. That was literally, it's like, I just gave you a compliment and you interpreted it as an insult. Yeah. How does that happen? Yeah. We're living in an outrage culture. And the problem, here's the main problem with outrage culture. It doesn't allow us to become introspective. Because if something happens that's wrong, it's someone else's fault. Or truthful. Yeah, of course. You, 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 you tell somebody the truth and they get mad. You know, what, what do you think about this painting? Not much. Next thing you know, they're mad and offended and don't want to talk to you anymore. You asked me exactly. what I thought about your painting. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to lie to you? Ashley said, it's insane. You can't say anything anymore without someone crying in a corner. And that's exactly true. But, but in, in, regards to what, in regards to what we're talking about today, how to grow, how to increase consistently, the key to growth is if something's going wrong, it's not God's fault. It's not the devil's fault. And it can't be someone else's fault because there's no one else that controls my destiny except yeah. Me and the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants to blame everybody else instead of looking at what they're doing. So that's the problem, right? We, we talk about outrage culture. Well, it's his fault. Well, you know, I, it, was, it was my this. I've never was, heard that. That's good, though. Yeah. It, well, I, 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 this is my upbringing. You know, your upbringing, especially in America, means nothing. It means nothing. You can come from anywhere. You can come out of anything in the United States of America and still prosper. If you can't prosper in the United States of America, something's wrong. Something's extremely wrong. Because we... There's like literally endless opportunity. There's people that don't leave their. I know people personally that never get out of their pajamas that make six figures a year in, from, their, from their home office. So, and, and some of them more than that. There's so much opportunity in America and people love to blame other people. But here's the problem. If we live like that, and I'm going to show you something that will help you forever. If you live like that, 
it will stop you from doing what the Bible teaches we should do, which is to become introspective immediately. So if something's not going the way God planned it to go, the first thing to do is not find someone to blame. It's not to talk about, you know, give the devil power with your words. Well, you know, the devil's been after me, brother. Well, I bet. Let me tell you, God had a plan, but the devil came and began it's to It's a dry attack. season. The devil has Waiting no authority. Waiting for my time. Yeah. He has no authority to no, attack you none. or to stop your blessing or any of that. He's been defeated. The devil has been defeated. Christ defeated him. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our always. Lord. There's no, always. Tell me a time. I mean, it blows my mind. How can, how can the devil curse what God's already blessed? You can't curse what God's blessed. What demon can stop my increase? What devil can stop my increase? There is, you can't. The devil that can convince you that you should stop. Yeah, it all has to be done through deception. He has no power to stop you. He has to convince you that it's impossible to stay in in the place of That's the only way he can do it. And so the, the, the key being, when you decide, I'm going to increase as God said to, as Christ taught, never ending fruit production, the first thing I've got to do is ask myself, if it's not going in the direction God called me to go, if I'm not seeing increase, if I'm not seeing growth, if I'm not seeing promotion, first question, ask myself, what am I doing? Wrong? What am I doing? What am I doing? Am I missing it somewhere? You know, if you don't see growth, the first thing that needs to happen, if you go for a two year period and you're not seeing any growth or promotion in your life, it's time to fast and pray. Yeah. And, and say, get direction. what am I missing here? What am I missing? Where, where did you give me an instruction that I missed? See, because the instructions of God when obeyed always bring increase. Always. It's impossible to get an instruction from God and have him lead and guide you and then take you into failure. He doesn't take you into failure. Go to Isaiah 48. Yeah, sometimes you're trying to stay in, in an old season when God's trying to bring you to a new season. Isaiah 48 will show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> a new blessing. You're trying to just stay and maintain the old blessing when he's got a new blessing for you. It's, it's actually, Jonathan, I talked about this one time. It's very dangerous to stay doing a thing that was an old instruction from God Correct. when he's given you a new, new one. one. That's because here's what people think. Well, I can just stay doing this and maintain. No, there is no maintenance mode in the kingdom of God. Yeah. You're either increasing or decreasing. Yeah. And if you stay where God previously told you when he's given you something new, that thing will crumble and fail. And then the number one reason that happens is because they're not maintaining their spiritual relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Right. He's given an instruction, but they've forgotten the instruction because God will remind us. Look at what the Bible says. The prophet Isaiah wrote this, Isaiah 48 and verse 17. Listen to what the Bible says. Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. Yeah. To profit. Not P-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. No, to profit, to gain, to increase, to be blessed. Who leads you in the way you should go. So notice this, the voice of the Holy Spirit is always leading you in the way that you should go and leading you into a place where you will experience profit, where you'll have increase. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, 18, you'll remember the Lord, your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. Right. So when God speaks to you, when he leads you, he's leading you to a place of increase, 
to a place of profit. Uh, I'll give it to you. People say, well, brother, that's Old Testament. I, I love when people say that. So you can that. take that, that step further. If you're not increasing, then you're not following the Lord because the Lord leads us into increase. Exactly right. His voice always leads to promotion, to growth, to increase. I love this because people always, <laughs> let me just say this to anybody that's watching. If you ever read an Old Testament scripture and someone says to you, yeah, but brother, that's Old Testament. That doesn't matter. Unless you're reading uh, restrictions of the law of Moses that Jesus redeemed us from and fulfilled, it doesn't matter that it's in the Old Testament. People say, well, brother, that's Old Testament. We live in the New. Yeah, but the New Covenant, according to Hebrews chapter 8, is a better covenant established upon better promises. Yeah. So that means that if God did anything good in the Old Testament, yeah. not only can we still stand on it, but he should, we should see much better in the New Testament. And all of God's Word is good for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and rebuking it's, it's, all of Scripture. How about just saying it this way? All of God's Word is God's Word. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we think because we're not in the Old Testament anymore, it stopped being God's word. Yeah, that, that, it's that, that still was, God's word, <laughs> still inspired by the Holy Ghost. That was the old God, still inerrant. <laughs> but we have a new God, yeah, new, new God over here. Give us the New Testament. <laughs> it's still God's word. It's still inerrant. It's still inspired. It still carries power to perform. And people say, "Well, brother, that's the Old Testament." That means nothing. No, it means absolutely nothing. Cop out. Yeah, the only reason that that would matter is if you were following the law of Moses still and trying to still sacrifice bulls, goats, and lambs to cover your sin with blood. It's like, we don't need to do that anymore. That is an old covenant. And all of God's people said, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> I know, if I yeah, had to try, do that. Yeah, try to raise up a perfect <laughs> yeah, it's like, away from all I'm the other ones. Not doing it. <laughs> um, Paul said this to Timothy. For while bodily training, this is 1 Timothy 4.8, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every, every way. Every way. And it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. So that means that right now, when you obey the word of God and the instructions of God, it holds profit. Uh, in fact, the King James says it this way, godliness is profitable unto all things. Every area of your life will profit by obeying God's instructions. So true. Every area. Absolutely. And so God's voice leads us into increase. Yeah. If anybody, you know what? That's how you should respond, Julie. Anybody that, that, that heard me say that. If, anybody, if you ever read a scripture, quote a scripture from the Old Testament, somebody says, well, that's Old Testament. You know what you say? So? What does that mean? Yeah. You don't believe the Old Testament's God's word? Oh, it's so God's word. What do you think? The Old Testament, <clears throat> if that's the case, <clears throat> every time you buy a Bible, you should rip the Old Testament out and just carry around the New Testament. Like your no, church, you should rip the New like, Testament like, out too because it quotes the Old Testament. Like, like you're part of the Church of Christ. <laughs> People in the Church of Christ only have the New Testament. They only carry the New Testament. It, it's insane. It's all God's Word. You know, it's all, I think it's a little hypocritical. They have the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. <laughs> so, yeah, well, because it quotes all <laughs> Yeah, take, take it out. Take it out. But, yeah, it's true. Take it out. But it's true, though. If you don't, when you begin to, when you begin to follow uh, God's word and his instruction, it always leads you into increase. What do, what do you think, God? First of all, you mentioned it a moment ago. Remember this. Remember this forever. God, over everything else for us, I'm talking about those, those of us that are believers, over everything else, he's a loving heavenly father. Loving. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus teaches this. Remember this. Remember this. He is for us more than anything else. 
a loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to those that ask him. You know, and Jesus made this point so hardcore on the Pharisees. He said, let me tell you, those of you that are here, you're earthly, imperfect men, and you still give good gifts to your children. He said, how many of you, if your child asked you for a bread, would you give them a stone? Or if they asked you for fish, would you give them a serpent? None of you. You know, when, when Christmas comes around, which is going too soon, Hebrews 12, 12 everybody buys their kids Christmas presents. Not just Christians, sinners buy Christmas presents. You know why? Because even though they're sinners and imperfect, they still love their children enough to bless them. Bless them. Think about God. He's a perfect father. How much more when your kids are obedient and do the right yeah, thing. Exactly. And God is a perfect father. And if they could ask anything they want and you could give it to them, you'd do it. Absolutely. You know what I found out? Like, you don't know this stuff until you become a parent. But like, you know, I used to hear my dad say, because I'd be all excited when I was young and I'd say, Dad, you excited? Christmas is coming. And, you know, he'd be like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be asking him, like, you know, what gifts? You know, because when you're a kid, everything yeah. revolves around presents. What presents are you going to get? Yeah. What presents do you want? And, you know, my dad, you know, what? And, and, and it was never, and I would bother me, like, why, why isn't he excited about presents like me? Yeah. You know, and then, and then I start to understand when I'm a father, the real joy of Christmas for a parent is to be able to sit on a couch with a cup of coffee and watch your kids open the presents yeah. and to see their faces light up and get all and squeal and get all excited and jump around because they got the thing that they wanted. And, you know what I mean? That's what becomes exciting for you as a dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not like looking, oh, I got, oh, I got a present. I'm not, I'm not freaking out about a present I got. I'm watching my children. You know why? Because it transitions. I have such a love for my kids that my joy is blessing them. That's it. And seeing them happy. And think about this. I'm an imperfect father. I'm an imperfect man. Think about your heavenly father. He's watching you. And thing he loves to see. Oh, you unwrapping the gifts, man. Unwrapping the gifts. The blessing that he has for your life. It's his joy to watch you blessed, to watch you increase, I, to watch you promote. I wonder how many gifts people have been given by God that haven't been unwrapped. Absolutely. That's a good thought. You know, Tons. We've, we've got one of the greatest gifts, his word, right? His life. And most people never unwrap this book. It's true. Most people never read it. It's, it's, if you're going to maintain the blessings of God in your life and be consistent in walking in the things of God, number one, you, you've got to make sure that this is a priority in your life and no that question. you're following his will and his word. That's exactly it. Because his word is his will. I want to, um, I want to talk about because we told people we would give them the five, five areas. And so I want to cover these five things quickly. I don't want you to miss out on this today. Five things, five areas of your life that you've got to consistently watch so that you can continue to grow and increase, which is God's, we've established, it's God's desire and it's his plan. But there are five areas of your life that need to be seeing constant increase. And the reason that we brought up introspection, why you've got to be looking at yourself and saying, how am I, how am I doing it? If, if you can't track it, if you can't look back over a year and see, see that things have changed, there's a problem. If you can't look back and see, for example, just, just a very basic analytic. If you can't look back over, your, over the last three years and see that every year you're giving into the kingdom of God's increased, yeah. then you need to look back and say, why hasn't it, it increased? If it's not measurable, it's not meaningful. Right. That's if true. it's not measurable, it's not meaningful. Yeah. You have to be able to have a gauge, a guide, a measuring stick. And that's what well, the because here's the reason. 
is because if you can't measure something, yeah. how would you even know if you're going in the right direction? How would you even know if you're increasing you, you, or decreasing if you can't measure it over time? You, you can't. If there's no data, if there's no anal, I like to I like to get at analytics for everything. Everything. Oh yeah. That's you know we, we track everything here. Yeah, and it's important yeah. because if you don't know yeah. how what, what the analytics yeah. are for what you're doing, how would you ever know if you're growing or shrinking? Yeah. How would you ever know if things are going better or worse? So. Uh, uh, that's why I brought the point up that I did is because that's a very easy one to track for any believer looking back over your tax returns and saying, is my giving increasing every year or is it shrinking? If it's shrinking, what's going on? Why am I doing less for God now than I did three years ago? I was over uh, Roberto's house. We, we work out in his basement so we don't have to pay gym fees. So anyways, so we're, we're down there, and I noticed that on the in his basement down there, he has a door frame that hasn't. It's just framed out, but it hasn't happened. And he's got his kids' measurements of all of his children are right. on on, and you can see every year. You can see the progression on how they've grown, and they've measured it every year consistently. Uh, you know, as I think his oldest. How, how old's your oldest, Stephanie? She's 10. So you wow. can see for the last 10 years, you know what I mean? Or, you know, at least eight, you can see how, how much they've grown in each year and the difference. Be, that's measurable. Absolutely. So you can tell how much they've grown every year mm-hmm. because they've actually taken time to measure mm-hmm. where they're at. Why? And you know what that says to me? That's important to them. Absolutely. Because if it's meaningful, then it should be measurable. Which means that you should have something in your life and if you don't have it you should think of a way to develop it in every area that you're wanting to see growth you have to create a system to track growth that's good if you want to see growth you have to have a system to track growth because otherwise how would you know if you're increasing or not you won't know you can continue to pray vague prayers attendance doesn't matter yeah. You, recording the. Let the me amount. tell you where attendance does no, matter. Numbers don't Heaven. matter. Numbers don't matter. <laughs> Let me tell you where numbers do matter. Heaven. <laughs> no, numbers don't matter. That's. We shouldn't be l- recording numbers. If numbers didn't matter, why would God ever write a whole book called Numbers? Called Numbers. That's exactly right. Um, but the key is this, and I'm, we're going to hit these five areas because they need to be they need to be consistently increasing, but. If you don't have a way to know, see, that's dangerous because people pray. Number one, they pray vague prayers. That's why I said when I used to minister to young people as a youth pastor, the first thing I would always ask them is, is why is your faith not specific enough? Don't just tell me you want a job. What kind of job do you want? Don't just tell me you're believing for a car. What kind of car are you believing for? You know, and making sure because here's the thing. Faith needs a specific goal. Yeah. Well, you know what? One of my, my biggest pet peeve yeah. in prayer, unspoken prayer requests. Yeah. You know that? What are you believing for? Well, I have an unspoken. How do I know how to pray for that? How do I set my faith on an unspoken prayer request? When the Bible clearly says, let your requests yeah. be made known yeah. unto God. Yeah. How can I pray for an unspoken I, I, prayer request? I've got seeds. I've got Father, requests. Father, you know what it is. I'm not believing for a watch. I've been given a lot of watches. Yeah, what yeah. I am believing for you is a Rolex. You want a calculator Rolex. watch? <laughs> no, I you don't want a Casio calculator watch? <laughs> I want a Rolex Submariner, black one. There you go. With, with, with the chrome trimming. Spe- specific. Specific. We used to have, when I was in high school, one of our teachers in high school allowed us to use his classroom before the first bell to have student-led prayer every morning in our public high school. 
So we'd, I'd be in there with like 50 other students praying. And we would have a, a prayer circle. And we would start by going around the circle and getting prayer requests from everybody. And uh, there were these three girls that were sisters that every day they came into that prayer room. And they were like, we'd go around and then we'd get to them. What are you believing for? And the girl would sit there and think, I have four, no, eight, five, no, I have six, I have seven, I have seven unspokens. Yeah. Then her sister. You're like trading cards. Four, seven unspoken. I have five unspoken. It's like these girls, by, by the time they were combined, had like 21 unspoken prayer requests. I, I, finally, I got to the end. I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. I was like, why don't you just lump it all into one big unspoken? I, don't, I can't pray for an unspoken prayer. It's not even scriptural. That's a good idea. Yeah, just lump it into one. Yeah, just one. It's one big one, unspoken. One big snowball unspoken prayer request. Because here's the thing, really what it is. And of course, anybody that's been in church for any period of time, you, you've heard of the unspoken prayer request. Really what it is is, is that people are embarrassed to say what they're believing for. But the, but the thing about it is, if you're embarrassed to confess it, then you're too embarrassed to get a miracle. There, there's got to be a point in your life where you stop caring what people think. You stop caring about what others will say. You get desperate enough to need a miracle that you're willing to do what the Bible says and make your requests known. Because here's the thing. If my faith is not specific, I can't get a specific answer. So if you came to me and said, well, I've got an unspoken request. How do I know whether it's to pray about finances, healing, relationship issues, mental issues? I don't even know how, by the way, those of us that pray, we know we have to stand on God's word in order to pray something that will get an answer. I have to have scripture to back up what I'm praying for. Otherwise, the Bible says God watches over his word to perform it. So if I'm just praying things that have no scriptural backing, God doesn't have to answer that. So what do I do? I make a case for the Lord. I take his word and I remind him of his promises, put him in remembrance. And then what? I'm setting my faith on a specific thing. That's why I know if I'm praying for sickness, I've got scriptures to back up healing. If I'm praying for uh, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, I've got scriptures that back that up to destroy a spirit of heaviness, bring joy and peace. When, when an unspoken comes, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And then how would we even know if we got an answer? You don't. You know, so, so that's the key. It's got to be, introspection's got to be there. We've got to be able to track our increase and our growth. Let's get these five keys to these people, yeah. man. I know a couple of people got to get back for lunch. Let them go to lunch. Goodbye. God bless you. You can watch the replay. <laughs> this is important, though. You have to understand. AJ says, nice Submariner with shark mesh bracelet. Yeah. Now you got people standing with you. See that? Now you got your faith out there. You've, you've, it's made, out your, there. you've made your request it's known. It's specific. I'm standing against you. I declare you'll never see a Submariner. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know? I, I Don't call be a hater. A, I call in a Casio calculator watch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll put that back in the ministry. <laughs> So that and get a donut. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right, Luenda. She's bre she's breaking out the smart goals, and I, I agree with that too because it has to be it does have to be measurable. In the scripture, there there are five areas where you can really see that are extremely important for every individual. Every individual. Number one, you've got to take care of everything that pertains to the natural realm. So number one area that you must see growth is your physical body, your physical identity. Paul said it this way, I've got to take my body and on a daily basis, make it my slave, make it my slave, put it under so that it does what pleases God. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 27. That's right. 
First Corinthians 9, 27. I put my body under on a daily basis. So the number one area that you need to see increase is in your physical body. You should be seeing healing. You should be seeing strength built. Yeah. You should, you understand? You should be I, seeing all these things I, take I, place. I love that scripture. Another translation says I beat my body. Mm -hmm. yeah, in yeah. other words, I beat it like I win over my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You overcome, overcome over your body. It. That's it. Because understand, your body does not get redeemed or glorified until the rapture That's right. or until the resurrection of the saints. Flesh never gets saved. Yeah, so the, there's without question, the Bible teaches in Galatians 5.17 that your flesh is always at war with your spirit. Truth. It doesn't matter how long you're saved, you're always going to have flesh that wants to do fleshly things. Oh, yeah. And a spirit that wants to please God. That's it. So they're going to fight against each other. And Paul dealt with this at length. Flesh wants that donut. That's right. Spirit wants to please God. <laughs> and I'm not going to say today if we fell into the flesh on the way to this broadcast or not in the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. I'm not going to mention what happened in the car on the way over. If Carolyn's still watching, I'm so sorry. But you'll never be at a place where you're, you'll never be at a place where your physical body wants to please God. So what do you have to do to it? You have to put it under. And tell it to shut up yeah. and tell it to obey the word and obey Christ. And you've got to take authority and see growth in your physical I body. my body. That's exactly right. There's people that are serving God that want to see progression. There's people that love the Lord, that are saved. They come to church, but they can't seem to get off of a pack a day. They're on a pack a day. Because they're constantly feeding their flesh and they're not feeding their and spirit. And they, they want to see increase in that area. They want to quit. You know how many people are smoking that don't even want to be smoking? There's people that are addicted to cigarettes. They don't even want to smoke anymore, yeah. but they can't get off of it. I've been trying to quit for yeah. 35 years. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. yeah you're not getting the victory. So, so there, <laughs> you know, God, God's calling you to increase. And, you know, if there's people that we're not, it's not a condemnation thing. It's a scriptural thing. You can see deliverance and increase. Yeah. And so literally every year. You should be getting stronger. Yeah. I could quit at any time. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, I'm not addicted to this. <laughs> They're out there in the cold. And it's like 13 below zero. Yeah. I can quit at any time. Any time I can it's quit. Like when, it's like when it's 13 degrees and I'm standing in the McDonald's <laughs> drive-thru. I can quit any time. <laughs> but, 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 but you should. that's an area of your life, your physical body, where you've got to see growth and increase. You've got to, you know, And here's why it's so important. We might look at this and say, well, the body's not that important. You know, the body, that's not, that doesn't sound so spiritual. But remember, your body is the temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. I always ask people this. What if you knew Jesus was coming to stay at your house for a week? Jesus himself. Would you put together a, a, a damp mattress in the basement of your house and, and throw a little Afghan down there and say, hey, you know, hey, have a good time down there. If you need to use the restroom, just go outside. Yeah. yeah. Or, would you, or would you prepare for him the best room in the house? Most people, if I knew Jesus was coming, I'd renovate the entire place. If I knew Christ was coming to stay with me, I'd, I'd, put, I'd make his room so amazing that there'd be nothing he didn't want. I'd have all the best of the best of the best in that room. I'd throw out... I'd probably buy a new mat. I, not probably. I'd buy a new mattress, new box springs. Uh, box, box, what is that, is that called? Box spring box spring yeah. all that new everything new furniture in there i'd lay new carpet i'd put new paint i'd get a refrigerator put all the, i mean I, i'd that thing would be i mean brand new led big everything he whatever he wanted <laughs> i'd put all the best in that room 
if that's the case, if we would treat Christ like that, if he was coming to stay with us, yeah. why would we give him a broken down body to live yeah. in? Yeah. Why would we destroy this temple? You wouldn't treat him as a visitor. No. Why would I destroy this temple? Say, hey, come stay in this. I'm going to destroy it every single day. Yeah. I'm going to destroy it. No, yeah. it's his temple. Yeah. And he's looking for temples yeah. that will actually be taken care That's why the Bible's talking about My father preached about it last night. You don't want to night. kill Christ with carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> exactly. You, you have, your lungs. <laughs> most people don't think about the fact that we are houses of the presence of God. It's true. Do you know that there's been people that were powerful in the spirit that didn't take care of their bodies that could have ministered for God so much longer than they did and they died? I'm, I'm thinking of one right now who was a powerful miracle minister during the uh, voice of healing and saw tens of thousands of people come to his meetings, saw creative miracles, saw tumors fall off of people's faces, cancers healed, people that were blind, deaf, healed, died at 39 years old because he didn't take his body and put it under subjection. And so do you think God wanted him to die at 39? No, absolutely not. God wanted him to minister into his 90s. But what happened? Didn't take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit and it ended his purpose prematurely. True. You've got to see consistent growth and increase in the body God's given you. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Number two, our minds. Our minds have to see increase. You know, we have the mind of Christ. And those of us that want to see increase in every area of our lives have to take not only care of our mind, but expect it to grow. I saw a statistic the other day, it blew my mind. It said, if you're comparing people that do well or are wealthy to those that don't do well or those that are struggling, they said, did you know that the percentage of people that continue to learn and educate themselves after they get out of school that are wealthy is like 80% of wealthy people continue to educate themselves after they get out of school. When only about 11% of poor people do that. I mean, these are basic things you can find in the book of Proverbs. But your mind has been given to you by God and then he gave you the mind of Christ. And you've got to have something that's in place where you're consistently seeing increase and growth in your mind to see wisdom. This is a funny thing to me. The book of Proverbs says, in all you're getting, get wisdom and understanding. Yeah. It's the principal thing. What's the principal thing? Proverbs said, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the, do you know, do you ever think about this? If you would live your life in wisdom, you'd, you'd need far less miracles. Sure. You ever think of that? Yeah. You ever think how short the prayer line would be if people lived in divine wisdom? People, if, if you change the way that you think, you change the way that you live. No question. And if you, you know, I, I heard Dr. Fred Price make this uh, uh, argument, if you want to call it that. But he, he, was, he was preaching to people. He said, think about this for a minute. The Bible doesn't say that the just shall live by miracles. And it doesn't say that the just shall live by signs and wonders. It says the just shall live by faith. Yeah. What is faith? Faith is believing God's word and acting upon it. Yeah. God's word is divine wisdom. Just think about how, how, how few uh, miracle prayers we'd have to pray. I'm not saying we wouldn't have to pray any. Yeah. I'm saying think of how few... That we'd True. have to pray if we just lived by wisdom. But, do, you yeah. know how, do you know how many people stand in the prayer True. line? And, 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 and listen, the, the more you minister, and I'm sure you've been like this, and, and, I, and I love people, but I, I've thought to myself, like, I've had to actually pray and say, God, give me compassion for people. Like, give me more compassion for people. Because the longer you minister, the more you realize that the majority of things that we deal with as human individuals 
are things that we have have to deal with because we made unwise choices in our lives. And literally, a prayer line for people that stretches around the room, many times, it could be cut in half if people just live by what the Word of God says. Listen, Sunday night after the service, we're in the back. Someone came and says, Pastor, someone really wants you to pray for them. It's struggling. And so it was, a, it was a, a college student. I come out and someone says, you know, he's struggling with suicidal thoughts and he's being beat up mentally and all that stuff. And I had, I had to stop and I, 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 had to, I had to rebuke him. What are you doing? Why are you letting the enemy, you're in Bible college, you're going to be a minister, okay? Why are you letting the enemy beat you up mentally? What's the word say? Who's more powerful, the enemy or you? We are. Okay, use it. <laughs> next time the enemy comes to, to bring suicidal thoughts, next time he comes to beat you down mentally, give him such a whooping that he never comes back to your house again. Oh, and then you see him kind of lighten up. I go, use what God's given you. Yeah. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us, that we should put on the mind of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And then the Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we are transformed That's by right. the renewing of our mind. That's it. You know, stop thinking that the enemy has more power over you and start using what God's given you. He's given you his word. Come on. He's given you his power. He's given his blood so that you can live a victorious life and not have enemies coming and beating you up all the time. Now stop it. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that kind of Pow! stuff. Oh, and I pray for Pam, he went down. Because, I, because as we said earlier, people want to be able to blame others. Well, the reason I'm going through this is because... The, no, take control by the power of the Holy Ghost. Get a, take your victory. I love Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I, there's giants in every person's promised land. And you have to be victorious. That's why we talked about fighting yesterday. You got to be willing to fight. Those, the Bible says that the wicked, Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked run when nobody's chasing them, but the righteous are bold as a lion. There's got to be a tenacity of a lion inside your spirit that says, I will take the promises. And I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what he tries. Not happening. He's got no power. to Not ta- happening. I will take it by force. Got to change your mind. Mm-hmm. You, you have to take control over your mental facilities. No you, question. You have to take control. You can't let, he can't, can, he can't take control over my mental facilities. That's right. Okay. Three things he tries to always tell me what to do, but he can't take control of my mental... <laughs> Three things. Write these down quickly. Three things you need to do in order to see your mind increase. Number one, you've got to continually study. Continu- continually study. Number two, stop trying to please people. I can't, I can't tell you how many people that I've had to deal with that they're in a mental battle constantly because of crisis mode with other people. Well, she's, she's upset at me and they're mad. If I do this, she'll be mad. That's good. Stop trying to please people. You won't make everybody happy. And in fact, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. Yeah. There actually should be people that are against what you're doing. There actually should be people that criticize the things you're doing. How could even, you, you think about how could verses in the Bible like this even come to pass? Psalm 23, 5. I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you didn't have any enemies, how could that verse even come to pass in your life? There should be people that don't believe what you believe, that criticize what you believe and how you live. 
You shouldn't be able to make everyone happy. And if you do, you're not living this thing hard enough. There should be people with an anti-Christ spirit that hate what I do. Hate it. I'm not going to. You think that bothers me? No. No. I don't care. People could, everybody could be mad. I live to please one person. You mean you don't go home and cry and not want to do ministry the next day after someone criticizes you? I want to tell this on broadcast. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> Curl up in fetal position. <laughs> That's exactly right. Asking for your blanket. <laughs> no, I don't go into a dark room with a coloring book and color for three hours. <laughs> Stop trying to please people. Continue to study and meditate on scripture. Meditate. Do you know when, when Dr. John G. Lake, if you don't know who he is, you should look him up, read his biography. Powerful, Powerful man of God. But when, John, when Dr. John G. Lake had those healing rooms in Spokane, Washington, he had healing technicians that worked with him that would lay hands on the sick. Every morning, he would only give them one verse of scripture, one verse. And he'd say, meditate on this all day. And they'd sit there and pray in the Holy Ghost and meditate on one verse. So for example, if they'd get up and say, okay, today it's Romans 8, 11. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. Now go dwell and med meditate on that. And you're sitting there in faith. And then revelation. Yeah, it's like you, you start to get the realization. I have the same exact spirit that literally read, raised Christ's dead decomposing body out of a tomb and put him back to life. That same spirit is inside my physical body. So that now when I lay hands on the sick, I'm imparting a life-giving spirit that if it can raise dead people, it can kill cancer cells and it can cause tumors to shrink and die. That and you're just meditating on one verse of scripture. That thing's bubbling up on the inside of you. And just by meditating on one, your mind is becoming renewed, washed by the water of the yeah. word, but your faith is being built. Meditate on what God's word says. And it'll change your life. Yeah. Literally, people meditate on the wrong things. That's why they have mental issues. I know that's not popular to say in 2019. It's a really a chemical imbalance in your brain. It might manifest that way, but all of that stuff has a spiritual root to it. Everything has a spiritual root. You can't solve spiritual problems with natural solutions. No, and if you... If you and that's why if you're going to be consistent, you, you have to feed your, you have to make sure that your spiritual man is built up. Then you have to make sure that you're guarding your mental facilities. And you're given uh, step one, study. Step two, uh, stop trying to please people. And then the third one. Meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's word. So it, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, but transformed by the renewing of our minds when our minds are focused on the, on the word. Yeah. Right. What's the Bible say? Stop thinking about negative things. What should we think about? Things that are lovely, pure, things that holy. are pure, things that are holy, good noble, of a good report. And so when you start thinking properly, things start going properly. Number three, your spirit man should increase. What are you doing to make your spirit man increase? What does your Bible reading devotion look like? Do you even have a plan daily? What is your plan? If somebody asks you, what's your, what's your plan daily to read God's word? You should have a plan in place. You shouldn't say, well, I'll just read whatever I feel today. It's not a plan. And it'll never get done. When do you read God's word? Well, when I get free time. There's no such thing as free time. Not anymore. Your time is stolen like that by everything. You, don't, you wake up and it's like, oh, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> I just woke up. It's time to go to bed. Your day flies by. You've got to have a time and a, and a plan. What yeah. am I reading? What's my Bible reading plan? Yeah. And, and, and you've got to do it daily. You cannot miss the injection of God's holy word into your spirit. Number two, you've got to be faithful to pray. What's your prayer plan? Do you have a, 
That, that, no, this, this is all under the spirit. So how do you pray? What's your plan to pray? When do you pray? What do you pray? That's why we provide prayer points for you to help you get started. We have over a hundred prayer points on the Miracle Word app that we've given you as a PDF to download to your phone, tablet, and laptop so that anytime, wherever you are, you could be standing in a line at the grocery store. You can pull your phone up, throw those prayer points up, and start praying over stuff. Yeah. What's your plan to pray? When do you pray? What do you pray about? Yeah. For 21 days, we prayed. Anybody in here, what were the four things that we were praying for for the, for the last 21 days? That's right. Our friends, our family, our country, and our church, right? Four major points right there that we Absolutely. were focusing on. We were, that was focused, intensive prayer. Why? Leading up to these moments for, these, right. for this week of meetings. That's right. Because we're believing that our friends are going to get saved. We're believing that our family. And then look no what happened. Our prayers provoked God to give us a prescription for our problem. Absolutely. Come on. It's so good. He's given us a prescription. That's we right. bring our pictures in, right? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on that right now. See, we've prayed and now he's answered our prayers. That's right. He's given us a prescription for our problem. Come on, to bring a promise. That's right. That's exactly right. right. That our friends and our family and our church and our country is going to come to know the Lord in a greater Amen. way. Amen. So powerful. So prayer, the reading of God's word, and can't emphasize this enough, faithfulness to church. Faithfulness to church. They're telling us now that the average believer goes to church once out of a month, one Sunday out of a month. That's why they say, although Easter is the largest Sunday of the year, yeah. they say the Sunday after Easter is the smallest attendance of the year because all the Christians that come once a month chose Easter to come. I think that Christmas <laughs> is bigger than Easter service. Here. Yeah. But, but that's why they're saying that. They're saying that the, the week after is because all the ones that are unfaithful chose that Sunday to come. So that was their month in the that was their Sunday in the month. The next day, well, we went last week. Every time the doors are open. Get into see, church. See, remember this. Remember that what you're doing by faithfulness is training your children how to think about God's house. I always think about that. The way I treat church attendance is teaching my children how they should think and feel about God's house. Well, you know, it's a nice day. We're going to actually go to the lake today because, you know, we don't often get a chance. So we're going to skip church today, kids. We're going to the lake. Well, you've got travel baseball. Well, you've got travel basketball. Well, you've got, the, well, we've got a family. And people, they, they treat church like as long as there's nothing else better going on, we'll go to church. That teaches your children to raise up when they get older. Yeah, why are my kids like not serving? Yeah, them? why don't they go to church? Because you raise them why to think. They, why don't they want to go to church? Yeah, right. You don't go to church. Right. Or, or, or you treat it with such disdain. It's like, well, yeah. as long as there's nothing better going on. We've actually had, way back in the day, we had some woman would come and she would drop her children off. And then leave. And then leave. Yeah, and people do that all the time. Like it was a daycare. Yeah, people do that oh, all the time. Oh, we caught that like day, like week two, yeah, you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> yeah. And, it's, it's, and they're, they're confused. How come my kids don't love the Lord? You're training them not by what you tell them to do, but what you're doing, by what you're showing them, by your attitude, the way you do things. I heard this said, I'll never forget it. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will celebrate. So if you don't want your kids to have that active in their life, completely cut it out of your life. You know, you say, well, you know, we, we only drink in moderation. Your kids will get drunk because they say, well, mom and dad drink. I'm going to drink. And then they'll take it further because what you tolerated, they'll celebrate. And so you have to, if you don't want to see something in your kids, completely cut it out of your life. If you want to see something in your kids, fill your life with it. 
That's why filling your life with love for the Lord and his house yeah. will transform the next generation. You, you can't ask your children not to smoke cigarettes in school if you're smoking. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you shouldn't smoke. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Honey, go to the store and buy me a pack of cigarettes, will you? Yeah, exactly right. Number four, let's hit these last two. It's almost noon. The last two, number four, relational areas of your life have to grow, have to see growth. Relational areas. You have got to allow God to use you in your relationships. If you think think relationships aren't important, they're extremely important. Your marriage relationship, firstly, obviously we talked about your relationship with God already. That's number one. But let me just say this. My wife and I have done multiple broadcasts and podcasts about this. Your kids do not come before your spouse. Thanks for all the shouts. Your kids do not come before your spouse. And let me tell you why. There's going to come a day your kids will move out and your spouse will still be there. And if all you've done for the last 20 years is focus on your kids, 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 kids and neglected your spouse, when they move out, you'll have a roommate, not a husband or wife. And I've seen that happen a ton. People don't even know how to relate to each other anymore after 20 years. They spend all their time doing stuff for their kids, with their kids, and kids were number one. Now the kids are gone and married and, and living somewhere else, and they don't even know their husband or wife. And they, many of them, I've seen, I've seen them where they're sleeping in separate rooms. I wasn't going to put that on the air, but I'm I sorry to say it. You know, well, we talk about in private. <laughs> you There's not sermon material for you. <laughs> But, but you understand what I'm saying? It, it's like your wife and your husband are first. The kids come second. I know that's not popular in today's society. They're second. <laughs> my kids are not above my wife. My wife doesn't put the kids above me. I've seen marriages destroyed because the husband feels neglected because the kids get all the attention. Wife never gives the husband attention. Well, I got stuff to do for the kids. I can't be. Happens all the time. Yeah. I can always have more kids, <laughs> but I've got one wife. Yeah. I think if we had more kids, it'd be blonde haired <laughs> and blue eyed girls. <laughs> Look at him trying to get brownie, scoring brownie points now. With <laughs> Relationships. Always, always, when I scold my kids, like if they're giving their mother the hard time, yeah. I don't say, stop, stop, stop giving your mom a hard time. I'm like, don't you ever speak to my wife like that again. <laughs> <laughs> Took a page out of my dad's book. Learn how to love like Christ, number one. Selfless love. It's for relationships. I said this yesterday. The the Word of God teaches it in the New Living Translation. Make room for one another's faults. People are going to make mistakes in relationship with you. People are. It's going to happen. People are going to get in their flesh. They're going to say stuff they regret later. They're going to do stuff that ticks you off. Learn how to make room for other people's mistakes. Don't cut somebody off because they they said one wrong thing. They made one mistake and you're ready to, at the drop of a hat, to smack somebody. It's like, make, you know people, they'll make mistakes. Expect it and say, listen, I love them no matter what. I love them selflessly. I don't love them based on what they do. I love them based on the fact that I'm filled with Christ. I'm filled with Christ. Love people like Christ loves. Lead by example in relationships. You know, especially if you're a husband in the home. If you're a husband in the home, you run that home. God's given you the authority to be the head of your home. By the way, I know this is not popular and it's not because I'm not, it's because I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I, I love my wife and she understands this. We teach it together. If she was here, she'd say the same thing. But it's not co-leaders of a home. It's just like the army. 
if you've got a chain of command, if you've got a captain or a sergeant with people under him, if the mission fails, guess who leadership's going to be asking? The sergeant. They're not going to pull two privates and be like, how come that mission? They're going to call the one who was in charge and say, what did you do? You screwed the whole thing up because you don't have discipline with your guy. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That's exactly right. And the thing is, if, if there's problems in my home, I don't go around, well, my, my family's out of way. No, I look to myself. What am I doing where I'm not leading my home properly? Why is there strife in my home? Why am I allowing that as a husband? Why am I allowing unrest? Why is there worry in my house? Why is there a spirit of fear running through my kids? You're tolerating it. Yeah, and as a husband, as the leader, We've got to take responsibility and authority and say, you know what? I don't allow that stuff in my house. I don't allow strife. I don't allow fear. I don't allow worry. I allow love, joy, peace, patience, yeah. gentleness, yeah. faithfulness, goodness, meekness. Rice faith. cakes? Yeah, no rice cakes. <laughs> Throw those out. But, but husbands. And, and see, everybody loves to quote the, script, the scripture. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. As unto <laughs> yeah. the Lord. But, but understand, you know what it says? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So that means a wife has no issue submitting to a husband who has love that is a self-giving love. Always putting the church, Christ always puts the church's best interest. At, yeah. uh, it starts off, submit yourselves to one another. That's right. And so you understand that's the key is that my wife will have no issue submitting to my authority when I show that I have love for her that is selfless love. I put her and the kids' best interests at heart and they're always first. I put them first. That's the, that's the way I love. No issue with that kind of love. And so it, it, it's, that, I know that's not popular in this day where it was like third wave feminism sweeping through America, but it's, it's the way the Bible is taught. And there's the key. Anything that has more than one head is a monster. And needs to that's be. That's why you can't have a church that has a, a pastoral staff. A plural, pl- plurality yeah. of leadership. Yeah. What do they call it now? Um, uh, they, they have like... Exchange, uh, like a pastoral exchange. There's like five guys that pastor the church. Yeah, the plurality of leadership. Yeah. They, 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 that's an actual an thing. An elder board. Yeah, but th- there's an actual thing. It's like, um, there's a name for it. I can't even think of it, but it's, it's not biblical. You know, well, we, we five men, we pastor this church. No, there's got to be a leader or anything with more than one head's a monster. Yeah. You got to cut four of the heads off. There's a secret leader anyways. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Until one of them gets out of line, then, yeah. then we really see who's, you find who's, out. who's carrying the weight in that organization. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give you this final one, which is a lot of times, it's what most people need to see, they think, the most readily. But most of the time, it's, it's because of other reasons. But there's the financial area of your life has to be see growth. The financial area of your life has to see growth. And here's the thing. When you look at the way God's word teaches it, and that's, and there's very, sadly, there's very few people teaching it anymore because people are afraid of what others would say about it. But when you look at the way God's word teaches it, God has a financial benefits package available for every one of his children, a financial blessing package available for every one of his children, whether people accept it or not, walk it or not, it's their business, but God has it prepared. He's got a pattern. Yeah. He's got a, he's got it prepared. And the thing is, you have to interact with God's plan in order to receive the benefits package God has planned for your life. Yeah. And the thing is, if we're not going to be people that take a hold of God's promises, it doesn't mean he doesn't have an available. It's that people have not done, as we said at the beginning, what needs to be done in order to receive what God has for their life. And so what are, what, what are some things? I'll, I'll run through these quickly. What are some things you can do to ensure that your finances are going to grow every year? 
every year. And let me tell you, I'm not saying this by theory. My wife and I have seen this work over the last 15 years of marriage. And then before I was married, saw it work every year of my life. Increase every single year. Giving more to the kingdom of God than I've given any other year, every single year. Never missed one. Never missed one. Number one, tithing can never be optional. Ever. It is not optional. It makes me laugh too. My my cousin and I were talking about this. It's funny how people say the percentage that they tithe. Right now I tithe about 6%. (laughs) <laughs> no, you don't. I give 10% of 6%. <laughs> it's like, that is not how it works. A tithe is already a set amount. It's 10%. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to start off at 3% and then it's got, you know, no. I've heard that before. Haven't you? Yeah. Isn't that funny? I'm, I'm, I'm at 7% I'm right now. I'm just, you know what I mean? We're, we're trying to ramp up. I said, why don't you just make the jump? It's only 3%. <laughs> no, you're not tithing 7%. You're robbing God 3%. <laughs> just make the jump. Tithing can never be optional. As De- I love what Bishop Boyd Depo says. If you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. Ooh. If you're not a tither, you'll always be a beggar. I'd write that down. Yeah. Tithing can never be optional. Number two, you've got to sow beyond your tithe. It's, it's funny how people talk about tithe like it's such a big deal. It's so basic. It's literally so basic. Because it, tithing's not the thing that brings your increase. It's your seed that brings your increase. Right, that's for your future. Think about it this way. If you've never thought about it this way, think about it like as a a path you're walking on. Until you've given 10%, you've not sowed any seed, none. Until your tithes are paid to God, no seed has gone into the ground. Tithe is the thing that brings you out from under the curse and puts you in a place where the windows of heaven are open. So he'll bless your seed. Then your seed comes after your tithe. Tithing is basic, man. It's like tying your shoes in the kingdom of God. That's for protection. That's for what God's given you already. Absolutely. That's backwards, right? The offering is for what's in front of you. Seed. And people say, well, you can't, you can't sow seed if you don't tithe. It's impossible. There's no such thing as a non-tither that sows because there is no seed before 10% is given to God. So you've got to be able, not to mention, we've got to be able to bless the poor. These things are commanded in scripture. There's got to be something you're doing with your finances in obedience to God to bring you into the increase. The tithe is never optional. Seed is never optional. Blessing the poor is never optional. You know, people say to me, well, I give my tithes, you know, to to humanitarian organizations. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Well, I give 5% here and then I give 5% there. No, it's not in the Bible. Bring the tithe to the storehouse. Blessing the poor is separate from tithing. Um, Seed is separate from tithing. So if you want, to get, you, you want to get serious about it, those of you that are members of this church, first fruit offerings, which have never been done away with in scripture. Jesus did not become the ultimate first fruit offering on the cross. First fruit offerings, which went directly to the priest. Let me, let me, let me say this because I'm not the pastor of this church. Those of you that are watching, Wherever you go to church, hear, hear me teaching this. I'm not saying this for me. I'm saying it for your man of God, whoever's been given authority over you. There should be time throughout your year. And he didn't know I was going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, there should be time throughout your year where you bring an offering that's not your tithe, that's not an offering into the kingdom, that's not for the poor, that you bring an offering to the man of God that pastors your church. It's called a first fruit offering. It was in the Bible, still in the Bible, never will leave the Bible. I do it, my wife does it, that you bless the men of God. You bless the men. The Bible actually teaches that they're worthy of double honor. 
that word honor there is actually talking about financial. It's not, it has nothing to do with like, I honor you. I, I, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's talking about financial blessing. They're worthy, worthy of double honor. If you've never been taught this, if you've never done this, part of honor is financial blessing. And I promise you, I saw my life go to the next level when I began to bless the men of God, to bless them personally, to bless them personally. And I don't do it small because I believe in the men of God and I value what they have. There should be a time throughout your year where you bless the man and woman of God that God's placed into your life, that's praying for you constantly, that's, that's believing for your increase, that's teaching you constantly. In fact, Paul taught this. If they minister to you things of the word, you should minister to them natural things. What Paul was teaching was those that minister the word to you, that pray for you, that study for you, that fast for you, that teach you, that are standing in the gap for you. He said, when they minister to you spiritual things, you should minister back to them natural things. That's found in Paul's letters to the Corinthians. You know what that means? It means that you should return with an offering, a blessing. And that's, let me tell you how God blesses that to the next level. I remember the first time I ever handed a man of God a $10,000 check. That was not for their ministry. That was not my tithe. That was for them personally. What? Yes. Why? Because I understood. And, and let me tell you, when I did that, it broke me into a whole new level of increase, a whole new level, whole new level. Right. I'm just, I'm just telling you people don't, they miss, they miss this. <laughs> and and it's, it, that's why I laugh because people are tripped up over the tithe. Well, I don't know if I could. That's such a basic thing. Hear what I'm saying? It's such a basic thing that if we get past that, nobody gets up and goes to work in the morning and says, let me tell you all what I did today. You're never going to believe this. I woke up this morning and tied my own shoes with no help. No help from it. No one's going to care to hear that. Nobody. Because everybody does that. It's basic. We need to move beyond into the overflow God has planned for us. Can you say amen? Amen. And then finally, let me just say this about finances. Use Proverbs style wisdom. Use proverb style wisdom. Don't do foolish things don't be with a your hoarder. money. Yeah. Don't be a hoarder. Don't do foolish things with your money. Don't co-sign for a stranger's debt or loan. There's people that do that stuff. Well, my daughter's boyfriend needs a car. You know, I'm just going to co-sign on the loan. He's a good kid. Next thing you know, he's gone. You can't find him and you got an extra car payment. <laughs> I've seen that happen multiple times. Use pro- the actual the Proverbs actually says, do not co-sign for a stranger's loan. That's true. That's a proverb. If we just use Bible sense, we wouldn't be in problems. Use proverb style wisdom. You'll be the lender and you'll not be the borrower. This is what I'm believing for every person that's watching, those that are here as we're getting ready to pray for you. I'm believing that you'll be the person, not that pays rent, that owns the properties and collects rent in Jesus' name. You'll be the one. Why should you have to go as a child of God and find out what kind of a loan you qualify for to buy a car when you could actually be the one that owns the vehicles that's actually selling them to other people and collecting interest on the payments that you make deals for other people. True. That's, you'll be the lender. Not the you'll mark. not be that's the right. borrower. That's right. You'll not be the borrower in Jesus' name. You'll be the landlord, not the tenant in Jesus' name. Amen. I said you'll be the landlord and not the tenant in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll be blessed. Your children will be blessed. Your grandchildren will be blessed. You know what the Bible says? That, that a godly man or woman leaves an inheritance to his children's My children. Which means you'll have so much left over because of your obedience. You won't just leave inheritance to your kids. You'll have extra to leave to your grandkids. Amen. And that's going to be our story in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray. 
For every person that's here and every person that's watching online, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or listening on the podcast later, I want you to hear this. We're going to pray today because God has a plan to watch you increase. He has a plan to take you into the overflow. And so we're going to pray. We're going to believe God for increase for your families and for your children and for your grandchildren. And every area that we've, pre- we've talked about today, we're believing God that you'll be able to, before this year comes to an end, I believe God will expedite it. Amen. Speed it up. I love that. Before we hit January 1, 2020, I believe we can see an increase that will be visible to all that are watching. Even through Christmas. Yeah. And the people will say, that's not natural. God did that. Amen. That's not natural. I'm believing for an increase that others will look at and say, that's not natural. Here's where you can find that in the Bible, by the way. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing and it was said among the heathen. The Lord has done great things for them. Done great things. That's what the heathen are going to say over your life. God bless them. I don't know how that happened, but God did it. Hallelujah. And that's going to be your story. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Lord, that your goodness and mercy have already been released over our lives. And so today... With this teaching from Hallelujah. your word, we declare we're stepping into a new level of blessing. New levels, God. New level of promotion. I ask you now for every one of your children that are watching by faith that you would take them before we even start the new year. Let this, as you promised us it would be in Washington, let this, these final two months be two months of steady increase and acceleration in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let these two months be filled with miracles, signs and wonders, goodness and mercy that are following us. Father, in Jesus name, before we touch foot one step into January, I pray that things would already take place. Let debts be canceled. Let stories turn around. Let healing come. Let deliverance come. Let relationships be restored in Jesus' name. Husbands coming back. Wives coming back. Children coming back. Family members added to the kingdom of God. I pray for this church, Lord, that you would bring them a supernatural increase that nobody can explain. Hallelujah. I pray for pastors Brian and Jessica. I pray that you would increase them in such a way that it would make the wicked angry in Jesus name, that it would make the wicked grind their teeth in anger when they see what you're doing for your servants. I thank you, Lord, that this church will increase and that this building won't be big enough to hold the move of God that's taking place in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. And Lord, I stay on the original confession that you promised me these years ago now, that this will be a regional revival, that people will come from all over to see what God's doing. They'll come from Maine. They'll come from Rhode Island, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York. They will come from all over to see what you're doing in this church. And people will hear about it throughout the nation of America and come to see what God is doing at Crossroads Community Church. We thank you, Lord, that souls will be saved supernaturally. We thank you that drug addicts are being delivered by the power of God. We thank you, Lord, that this whole region is being changed. We declare even the crime rate will drop in Jesus' name because of what God is doing right here at Crossroads Community Church. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Jesus mighty name. Now for your people, Lord, that are watching, we ask you to let this be quick. Expedite your work in their life. In Jesus. Lord, as they're willing and obedient, let them quickly eat the good of the land. We thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 Listen, those of you that are watching and and those that are here, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. 
If those of you that are watching online, those of you here, you can grab an envelope. Those of you watching online, there's four ways. Justin, I know you'll help me. There's four ways you can sow a seed. Number one, if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate into the comment section and easily give that way. Uh, if you'd like to go to miracleword.com, you can sow a seed right there on the website or partner with this ministry. If you like to give with an app, PayPal or Cash App, that's easy to do as well. The information is on the screen uh, or coming up on the screen. If you're giving by, pay, uh, by PayPal, the email is info at miracleword.com. And if you're giving by Cash App, which has somehow become my new favorite app yeah. to, to send money to people. I love it. It's easy. Cash App. Uh, Mine's I love rev, it. Rev, has a dollar sign rev. I'm no. sending it right now. Um, <laughs> Cash App is dollar sign miracle word. Miracle word. If people give, give that way. Now, that's become my new favorite way to give to people. A lot of people. I, I love it. I love using it. It's easy and it's quick. And I love, I love blessing people with it. Um, but we say thank you to every person that's sowing a seed. Uh, somebody asked yesterday, and I forgot to mention it. If you are giving by a check, you can, and you want to mail that in. You can do that as well. Um, the check is made out to Miracle Word Ministries. And the website has our mailing address at miracleword.com. But it's P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. It's on the footer of the website. Uh, if you go to miracleword.com, you can check that out. And we want to say thank you uh, to every person that's standing with us. And uh, we love you very much. I love you, by the way. Yeah, likewise. Right back at you, my friend. You're a great man of God, and I appreciate you. It's awesome to see this church grow. All God's using you to do. God's doing great things right here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. We're right not, in the we're, middle. We're not, off, we're not off the highway, but we are on God's. <laughs> we're not off the highway. <laughs> we're a ways off the highway. <laughs> but, you know, God can do uh, of course. anything anywhere he desires. Do you know when, when, when Pastor Rod Parsley went out and started a World Harvest Church. Cornfield. 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 Now there's a whole city there. That's yep. what God's doing right here in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. That's exactly right. He's building a community, then he's going to build a city, then he's going to build, hallelujah. That, that's, I, I mean, literally, that. you look at Columbus, where yep. he's at. That's right. That whole thing built around it. He was, it was cornfields. The church grew, built. I mean, the whole thing went to the next level. I believe the same thing's happening here. Lemonster will be blessed. Amen. Fitchburg will be blessed. Lunenburg will be blessed. Amen. All because Crossroads Community Church is in this area and God's hands on it. I, I believe that. It's great people here. I believe God will even reopen Blockbuster here. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but what I do believe, and I'm going to get a witness to this, that God's going to bring us a Starbucks. Hey! Come on, somebody. Come on, God's going to bring us a Starbucks. We're going to get some egg bites. Come on, we're going to get some vente tall, some grandes. Come on. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> some some <laughs> cinnamon dolce. Come on, I don't hear anybody. Oh! And a Chick-fil-A. We'll go we, Chick we got faith coming out got, of the crowd right and now. And a New England roast beef. Hey, I don't hear anybody. Somebody just shouted Chick-fil-A, and I felt the Holy Ghost on that. Did you feel it? Listen. I almost fell out of my seat. Somebody said, I, I saw a meme online, and it had, you know, in Chick-fil-A, they have hand sanitizers on the walls out God. through the thing. Yeah. They said, why are there hand sanitizers outside the bathroom all throughout Chick-fil-A, the answer was, because you'll wash your filthy hands before you eat God's chicken. <laughs> and it's true. Uh, but, but <laughs> yeah, it's true. There will be a mighty breakthrough that takes place in Fishburg when Chick-fil-A comes. Get ready. We just rebuked that right now. God, that, they're missing out on some of the the Lord's greatest miracle work I, in I chicken. De I declare that some of those 300 stores are coming to New England in Amen. Jesus' name. Hey, listen. 
You think that stuff's not real. My cousin Jonathan, one of his favorite places, Tim Hortons, which was mainly in New, uh, Canada. Canada. It's pulled down. Now he's got one in Pittsburgh where he lives. <laughs> Is God a respecter of persons? No. Does he love Jonathan more than love, he loves you? No way. Huh? Then, then there's a Chick- no there's, then there's a Starbucks and a Chick Fil A coming for you, my friend. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, God loves me so much He put a Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> people, people watching from Africa don't even know what we're talking about. What is you Chick- will? What you is Chick Fil A? <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tonight, seven o'clock. And then tomorrow morning again, 10.30. Don't forget this Thursday morning, 10.30, my father, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., will be on the broadcast with me and Pastor Brian. And it's going to be phenomenal. We love you guys so much. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again tonight. Go and sin no more. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.